If you will take your scriptures, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, we'll be reading the entire chapter. Will you give ear to the reading of God's word? Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the heart, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion on one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer from doing good than from doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient when they once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There's also an antitype, which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Grant, Heavenly Father, that we might come before your throne this day and learn from your wisdom. You show us in your word as a revelation of your actions with mankind, and that we learn you are the root of David, the bright morning star. You call, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Give us ears with which to hear and hearts with which to understand, O Lord. 
Help us to be prepared so we can say with all of our hearts, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Peter has been writing a number of verses prior to this on submission and the important role it plays in living out the Christian life. He spoke of our need to submit to every authority placed over us. He specifically spoke about submitting to governmental authorities, about slaves to masters and wives to husbands. In the sermon last week, we saw how the wife in this teaching on submission represented the believer and the husband, Christ. That all the commands given the wife in regard to submission also applied to all believers. One of the things we need to recognize with regard to submission and authority is that no one person lives their life without having to deal with both times of submission and times of authority. Even the slave may be placed in charge of other slaves or over the children of the house in which he serves. The president of our nation is not above the law. He has to submit to the Constitution and the laws enacted by Congress. He also must submit to the will of the people through elections. Submission and authority are very much a part of everyone's life. The wife, while called on to submit to every authority placed over her by God, including her husband, is also given a place of authority in directing the affairs of her home and establishing, especially in the raising of her children. Look sometimes at Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, and see all the virtuous wife was praised for doing. So no one should look at what Peter is writing and say, that part doesn't apply to me. That was why I taught the idea of submission by wives as I did last week. So husbands could not sit back and say, that doesn't apply to me. Just as we are called to be the bride of Christ, we are also called to be a testimony of his love to all of those around us. We saw last week that being submissive to the authorities over us in a respectful way is a good testimony of God's love. You also need to understand that you cannot testify of his love without knowing how to properly husband. You cannot do it without properly showing Jesus' love through the proper exercise of authority. The way you show that authority is by exercising the same grace, the same mercy Jesus exercised in leading his church. Remember, we are all called to emulate Jesus in our lives. He came submitting himself to the flesh and carrying the load we could not carry while perfectly keeping the law. In Matthew 7.29, we're told he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In Mark 1.27, we're told what the people thought of Christ's teaching. Then they were all amazed, so they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. In the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 26 and 27, the apostle explains, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority 
to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus tells us about his authority. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, we can see that any authority we are asked to exercise over others comes from Jesus Christ. Since it comes from him, it's got to be exercised in the same way he exercised it. Isaiah tells us how the Christ would do this. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, there are three things here. Three things that tell us about his exercising of authority. Justice, righteousness, and zeal. Anyone with any authority must remember these three words, justice, righteousness, and zeal, and must follow Christ's example in using them. Peter, in verse 7, gives us three things to remember also. Verse 7, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. As we extend authority, as we undertake it, undertake to husband others, to use that authority, first he says, we must be considerate. Second, he declares we must be respectful. And last, we must be mindful of our own relationship with Jesus Christ. After speaking to wives in verses 1 through 6, Peter follows this with an exhortation to husbands in verse 7. Why did Peter not do the same after speaking to slaves and then go on to speak about masters? Slaves in the scripture would represent men, all men, who are trapped in bondage to sin. And thus, what he speaks to slaves can be applied to all men. The same would be true of wives who represent all believers. The reason he speaks to husbands and not masters is because anytime we exercise authority over another, we're to do it in a loving and God-honoring way. Therefore, whatever he says to husbands is the same thing he would have said to masters. What does the word husband mean? The new Merriam-Webster dictionary says it's a married man, and its second definition for it is a man to manage prudently. That's what husband means, to manage prudently. We also find a husbandman, a farmer, in the scripture, Jesus calls his father the husband. John 15, 1. I'm reading from the King James. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. The heavenly father is the one who plants you. He's the one that sees that you grow and produce fruit. He is the one who manages your life prudently. In 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we're told, and again from the King James, 
For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. The word husbandry means field. We are as believers God's field. We are where he works. In Matthew 13, we hear the parable of the soul. In this parable, we're told about a man who sows seeds in a field. Some fall on hard ground and are carried away by the birds. Some of the seed fall into rocky ground and grow up only to be withered under the heat of the sun. Some fall into unprepared soil with weeds in it. And the weeds grow up and choke out the plants. None of these produce fruit. Therefore, none are cared for by the father or the farmer. But those that fall into the well-prepared soil are carefully tended by the farmer and they grow up to produce fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. The husband is given the responsibility to tend the field he has been given. Anytime you're given responsibility over another, that becomes your field. Your responsibility is to see that the ground is well prepared, the rocks removed, and the weeds cultivated out. This is what a husband is called to do in the relationship with his wife. He is to see to the needs of the family in order to make it possible for spiritual growth. Anytime you have responsibilities over others, you're acting as a husbandman. All that the scripture teaches as the husband's duties, you must take on and accomplish for those under your authority. Isaiah said Christ would come and he would rule with justice, righteousness, and zeal. Here's the pattern for the husband. He must always be just with those under his care. He must deal with them righteously, never doing anything to harm them. He also must be zealous about his responsibilities, giving every bit of his energy and strength he has to accomplish this task. That's your duty as a husband. That's your duty as a wife and a family. We all have responsibilities. Compare this to what Christ did for believers. He came into this world. He came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He fulfilled the just requirements of God on behalf of all who would hear and believe on him. He lived the perfect life that we could not live to provide righteousness for his people. He did all of this with great zeal and a fully unconditional love. You want to be a good husband? It begins right here. Peter says in verse 7, Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Now, someone might ask about the phrase likewise or in the same way, uh, which is also, you'll find it in verse 1. Does this mean in the same way Peter has described beforehand? No. In the Greek, this one word, and it carries a simple connotation, meaning nothing more than next or so. A literal translation would be, so husbands be considerate as you live with your wives. Some of you may have translations that don't have any reference to that word at all. Dwell with your wife because of what Peter has said about wives. He's told you about your wife. He's told you about what she needs. You need to dwell with her in that understanding. The important part of this 
word is, is considerate here. The word considerate is very important. The King James translates this, dwell with them according to knowledge. The New American Standard uh, says, live with them, with your wives in an understanding way. What is this knowledge or understanding way he speaks about? It is the way of Jesus Christ. Paul explains in Ephesians 5, 25 and 28 through 28. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Here we see that the focus of those in authority is to be upon those who are under them. That's your responsibility. You should always be looking to those who are under you. And what can I do to help them grow, to make them better? This is why the scriptures teach so much about being in submission. You cannot know the right way until you're under authority yourself. Then you have a love for others. You cannot be in authority and exercise that responsibility correctly without that love. Jesus came to show this by first submitting himself to the plan of redemption, then going to take his place on the throne of the King of Kings. Anyone in authority must know what it is to be under authority. Now, Jesus didn't need to to do all he did to know what this all meant because he's the one that created it. He did it so you would know he understood Jesus did all he did to show you what real love was really all about. He came and submitted himself to a bunch of men who hated him. He allowed them to take him and to put him on trial. He allowed them to crucify him and bury him in a grave to show you how much he really loved you. Anyone in authority must understand what it is to be under that authority. We see this in Matthew 8, 5 through 10. Now in this passage, Jesus came to Capernaum, and a man, a Roman centurion, stopped him and asked him for his help. He had a servant that was dying, and he wanted Jesus to heal him. Jesus immediately said he would come with him. The man said, no, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. He told Jesus, just say it. And he will be healed. He said, I'm a man under authority, having others under me. I tell one to come and he comes. I tell the other to go and he goes. At this, Jesus just simply marveled. He told his disciples he had never seen such faith, not even in Israel. This man understood authority. And Christ says he had great faith. He knew what Abraham learned, that believing God, believing the one in authority over you, pleases God. Husbands, you must live with your wives according to knowledge. You must be considerate of them according to the way God, through Jesus Christ, has been considerate of you. Stop and think what Christ has done for you. 
you ought to be doing the same thing for those under you. Show them love. Be just in all your dealings with them. Be righteous in all your actions and do all of this. Do it with great zeal. Anyone in authority has to exhibit such in, such in all of their dealings with others. This is the way in which you can dwell with them according to knowledge. Since dwelling by knowledge with those under your authority can be so easily misapplied, Peter adds another requirement to the responsibility of the husband. He must also respect the one he husbands. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. How can you be respectful of those you're husbanding? By honoring them. Peter shows this in 1 Peter 2, 17. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The duty of all believers is summed up in this one verse. The servant of God, regardless of what his position in this world, he must respect everyone. This verse outlines in two brief statements the summation of the law Christ gave in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Respect all authorities placed over you, beginning, of course, with God, and then respect everyone else in the same way. This is not just a command given to marriage partners. It's given to all men, especially those who are believers, masters and slaves, husbands and wives, parents and children, employers and employees, teachers and students, pastors and congregations. You are to be respectful of all, whether you are in authority over them or under their authority. What this passage makes clear is the added responsibility of those in authority because they represent, in a more specific way, Jesus Christ. Authority is power. And power can be and is abused by many. As a believer, you're warned to be very careful with this authority because it is not yours, but God's. And he expects you to handle it with righteousness. He gives two reasons why one in authority should honor those under them. Definitely, This definitely reflects the husband-wife relationship. The husband is to honor the wife as the weaker partner. Now first, let me make clear. The word weaker here, in this case, refers only to the physical strength, not spiritual strength, intellectual abilities, or moral courage. This could also be applied to parents and children. If you apply it in the business realm, it would apply to employers and employees, to masters and slaves. I think we would all agree that anyone in authority over uh, over others is strong in some area, at least they should be, to have the higher position. Therefore, this makes clear that simply because someone is under your authority, does not mean every area of their life is inferior to yours. 
You must recognize this. You must honor them for the strength they have and recognize their worth as a person. Husbands, your wife was given to you to compliment you and be your helpmate. Honor her and show her the respect she deserves. Anything less is a very grievous sin. This helps her to find the fulfillment she needs, and that's one of the prime responsibilities in husbanding anyone, leading them into a fulfillment of their call from God. The second reason for this command for the husband to honor the wife is based on the assumption that both are believers. But what about if one is an unbeliever? The goal is that the unbeliever may be won by the proper respectful behavior of the other, as is explained in verse 1, where Peter says, treat them as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. The New English Bible says this in a very interesting way. You share together in the grace of God, which gives you life. Paul lays down the foundation for what Peter teaches in Galatians 3.28. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. God gives different roles to different people. You may be a slave or you may be a master. You may be a wife, you may be a husband. What role he has given you doesn't make you more important or less important in his eyes. Each one he calls is precious to him. And because of the grace given in the work of Jesus Christ, living the perfect life, dying the atoning death, winning the resurrection victory, they are all in his eyes of infinite worth. That worth does not come from what you do or from what your place is in the world. It comes exclusively from the merits of Jesus Christ applied to your heart applied by the sovereign act of God in your regeneration. Everyone who husbands another must see that person as one of great worth because of the work Jesus Christ has done to save the souls of his people. The overriding directive for living the Christian life is summed up in Christ's summation of the law, which we have already read. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How do you apply these commands to your life? That's a serious question. You really need to stop and think about it a lot. Paul, in the epistle to the Ephesians, tells you, you must die to self and live for Christ. This is the heart of Christianity. In Philippians 2, 1 through 4, the apostle calls us to imitate Christ. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. This is exactly what Peter is driving at in this verse we're considering today. This is made very clear in Peter's last statement of this verse. So that nothing will hinder your prayers 
You remember the golden rule found in Matthew 7, 12? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The way our prayers are acceptable before God is when they come in accordance with his will. How can your prayers be in accordance with his will when you aren't making every effort possible to have your life line up with his will? This applies to both husbands and wives, to both those in authority and those under authority. If you want God to hear your prayers and answer them, then you need to be the best at whatever it is God has given you to do. If he has made you a slave, then be the best slave you can be. If he has called you to be a wife, then be the best you can be. If he has given you a place of husbandry, then work at it with all of your heart. Be with the best wit- be the best witness you know how to be. Love, honor, respect, and care for those placed under your authority, just as Christ has done for you. Then your prayers will avail much. How can I say this with confidence? I can say it because God's word says it with confidence. James 5.16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The whole underlying theme of Peter's teaching on submission and to those in authority has to be this idea that you must always, always consider others as more important than yourself. Now that's one hard thing for us to do, isn't it? That's what he calls us to do. The world has a way of attaching importance to power and authority. Jesus didn't accept such an idea. He told his disciples in Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, You know that the rulers of Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. My friends, when God places you in a position of authority, it is not to lord over anyone, but to serve them. To serve them and assist them in growing in their understanding of this glorious gospel message we have been given. You are not called into authority in order to have people die for you, but for you to die for them. As believers, you are called to live into the gospel. You're called into the gospel to die to self, and you can live for Christ. Isn't that wonderful? It's putting ourselves to the other side, putting ourselves out of sight. We're here for each other. We're here for others. Christ is your example. And he came, he died for his people. Husbands, those given authority over others, you must ever be mindful of this calling. If you want your prayers heard, if you want them answered, then keep your attention focused in doing the work of helping others. It's a very hard thing to live this Christian life. It's not easy. If you're not struggling to be what God has called you to be, then there is something, something really wrong in your heart. 
The reason I say that is because everything you're called to do as a believer is against the old nature that you were born with. Nobody wants to be someone else's slave. Nobody wants to submit to others. Every man ever born through our first father, Adam, wants to be his own boss. But every man reborn through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is called to submit unto every authority placed over them by God. And Peter says every authority, whether it's good or evil, was established by God. When man gets a little authority and his first, his first thoughts are, how can I use this for my own pleasure, for my own way, and keep myself on top? That again is the old sinful nature. Peter shows the only answer to this is being considerate of others. Living a righteous life and remembering that God accepts only the prayers of those who walk in this way. Why? Because this is his will that men be like his son. Please, my friends, hear this call that Jesus Christ has come into this world to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. He came to save your soul, He came to mold you into His own image. What he asks of those so saved is an effort to be what he has called you to be and let his light and life shine through yours that others might hear and believe in him. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful God, you who have created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, we come thanking you for the salvation you have given What a comfort to us that Christ has done everything required to get us a place in heaven with you. We know how sinful we are. We know how impossible it would be for us to accomplish any of these requirements. We know you alone are our God. Everything came from you, and in you we live. There is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things come and through whom our lives stand. How blessed we are to know these truths, for not everyone does. Thank you for your word, Father. In Christ's name, amen.